This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. Individuals and businesses with tax problems, listen carefully. If you owe over $10,000 in back taxes or have unfiled tax returns, we can help you take back control. The IRS is the largest and most aggressive collection agency in the world, and they can seize your bank account, garnish your paycheck, close your business, and file criminal charges. Take control of your tax problems now by calling the experts at Tax Mediation Services at 800-600-1645. That's 800-600-1645. 800-600-1645. Jeffrey time. This is triple eight seven twenty seven. Back is the. I got uh, some more. No, nah, it's okay. I, I, that's okay. I mean, no. I mean, I just uh, would rather you not. Can we just? Uh, can we go back to the A one block here for a second in the control room uh, for this poll? This is a pretty amazing poll. Uh, comes about the uh, the. It's about the immigration order. And you know what? If you watch cable news on a daily basis, you would, unless it's Fox News, which, if it was Fox News that you watch, you would think there's a 100% approval rating and a 0% disapproval right. rating of all of Donald Trump's policies. If you watch MSNBC, you think there's a 0% approval rating and a 100% disapproval rating of Donald Trump's policies. Here's the reality, and I think this is surprising to a lot of people around the country. Um, most people have digested this uh, immigration program as not uh, as much on the reaction of it and more about what the actual content is. And if you look at this, it's pretty fair. Can we show the uh, tweet? Um, 48% agree uh, overall, 41% disagree. First of all, you'd never believe that watching the coverage. But, what you know, yeah, 82 to 13 on the GOP side, you, you assume that's about the case. Independents, though, agree with it, 44 to 36. I think the real surprise here, though, for especially in the Democrat world, is a quarter of Democrats agree with this. 23% yeah. of Democrats agree with the executive order. That's a way bigger number than I think they would imagine. Boy, no kidding. Um, you know, for a policy by Donald Trump that has been so controversial and has been rolled out so poorly, you got, can you imagine what these numbers would be if he rolled it out well? I know. And I, chi- bet it's, I bet instead of 48%, it would be 59 You watch the news coverage with the children standing alone at the airport and nobody agrees with it. And I know that we just saw a story uh, today where the United Arab Emirates the United Arab Emirates nice. minister, is the, say that correctly? UAE is the easy way to go de- on that Defends one. Uh, the Trump travel ban. It's not anti-Islam. I mean, that's that's huge. Yeah, I mean, it's good. And uh, and, and it, is, it isn't. We've discussed this this you know for a while. It really is not. Uh, and, um, I still have not seen anyone ask my question, though. This is bizarre. You know, it's, it's interesting because no, maybe the truth is neither side wants it to be asked. <laughs> because, you know, how if you really believe Donald Trump is trying to ban Muslims, why not ask him, hey, if the Sunni minority in Iran was persecuted, would they be get the same benefits as Christians in, uh, in Iran? Would they because they are a only nine percent of the country right. is Sunni Muslim and 89 percent, if I'm remembering right, are, are Shia Muslim. Uh, so. They are a religious True. minority in Iran. Would they get the benefits of being a religious minority? Now, I don't think, maybe the truth is, the Trump administration doesn't want to make that point because in reality, the answer to that is no. 
Uh, they're saying no. Screw, screw the, sh- the, the the Muslim minority. I don't know. We don't know the answer to this question. And the other part of it is maybe the media doesn't want to ask it because they don't want the answer to be yes. If if they right. re- if respond right. and Sean Spicer goes on TV and says, well, you know what? Honestly, uh, yeah, yeah, that would be we'd absolutely, absolutely do that. Cons- that. Assuming they were co- correctly vetted, we would import uh, Muslims from these countries because they are religious minorities. If they were being persecuted, uh, you know. I think this is one of those things that, you know what, neither side really wants to maybe go down that road. I would hope the Trump administration is, you know, look, Trump, if you look at the way the Trump thing is happening, and I am happy with the results on the Supreme Court, but let's examine how this happened. Again, there is, and this analysis does not change from the campaign. There's no reason to believe leading into the campaign that Donald Trump would be a constitutionalist on the Supreme Court. Yes, he occasionally said it. He also said the opposite. And his entire history was the opposite. So with the evidence available, and this is what you do in campaigns, you try to project what the person will do. Now that he's president, you now try to root him on and just judge him by what he's done as president. Um, So I I give him credit. But how did he get to that point from a guy who really, you know, when when asked who who he would appoint as a Supreme Court justice, just, uh, you know, flippantly said my sister. Uh, how did he get from that person to a guy who would be able to analyze Neil Gorsuch's background? And I think the answer is, and again, this is me, I think, admitting it, uh, at least on this particular case that we were wrong or at least we're not as optimistic as we should have been on, on Trump. Many people inside the, uh, the um, campaign with Trump and insiders in Washington told us many, many times, and we told you this on the air at the time, that the best case for Donald Trump is that Donald Trump doesn't know these issues, doesn't care right. about these issues, but will appoint people who are loyal to him to make these decisions for him. Right. So he doesn't know who Neil Gorsuch is. And However, made- what he does know is that Mike Pence has stood by his side through all these tough times, and Mike Pence says he's a good guy. Right. And he had promised, uh, you know, that's how he got the evangelical vote, that he would stick to a conservative uh, appointment yep. to the Supreme Court. We, you know... Question the possibility that he might not necessarily <laughs> hold true to that, right? But he did. But he did. And he was his first... proud of himself. Oh yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. saying that he stuck to it. Last and you night look, and I give well, him credit. I again, like I, I just know, want, I, I want know, him to do the right I thing, and, and he did here. But if you look at the way these things happen, Donald, Tr- and this is why I said it was such a stupid decision by the left, and they are making stupid decision after stupid decision. Donald Trump tends to seemingly, uh, while he's very strong-willed against his enemies, he is not strong-willed on these policy issues because some of them, the ones that aren't close to his heart, trade is close to his heart, immigration has become that way uh, recently. Um, But like he, he tends to walk through the paths designed for him. You know what I'm saying? So if the people around him what he, he makes decisions. He walks up to a fork in the road and he says one side is the left side, one side is the right side. And the left side have been out in the streets protesting about me and calling me Hitler. And the right side is a bunch of people who have stuck with me when I've made an idiot of myself occasionally. Go to the right. uh, and, uh, and I don't really know the issue here. I'm going with that side. Go to the right. This has also shown its face with issues of uh, women's rights and gay rights. That sure has. Because... When he faces that fork in the road, he chooses the Ivanka road. That's the only time he's seemingly gone down those other roads. So he looks at the people who are most loyal to him. 
Certainly, Jared Kushner, who is Ivanka's uh, husband, is very big on, on Israel. It's a big passion point for him. Um, and he's been good on that issue. It seems like he'll take every position at some point. However, he will focus with the side that's been nice to him to break it down easily. Um, when he's when in doubt, that doesn't mean like trade. If, if the Cato Institute was really nice to him on trade, he would not go down those roads, I don't think, on something like trade. But on things where he's not all that passionate, he doesn't necessarily follow the Supreme Court close enough uh, throughout his life to, to, to care about these things. Nope. So, you know, he goes with that way. I think like that's his that's his decision on eminent domain. You know, the, his business associates, the people close to him, his personal business, his employees benefit from that policy. So he likes that policy. Um, and here in these issues where he's never really had to deal with it, he's going with people familiar and loyal to him. And I will say we were told that we were told that that yes, was we your best case scenario. And so far, I think that analysis has proved to be true. We will see if it continues. But yeah, if it's we'll true, see. that's if that's true. And he can keep himself and his, his sort of anger under control. Um, so, he, so the real negatives, uh, you know, and he doesn't fly off the handle and start a war or something like that. Um, if, he, if that winds up to be true and he's just following the people who have been loyal to him, uh, who are, you know, generally more, much more conservative than him, should be okay. we should be in, this should yeah. be okay and we should have a great presidency. I just don't know if that's going to continue for a long period of time. Oof, that's a tough call. Yeah, that's a tough, tough call. I'm ha- If that's mm. how it turns out, though, if this turns out to be a mixed bag and I got some stuff to complain about and some stuff to praise, I'm going to be thrilled. It's pretty good, yeah. And, and he'll go strong. That's why I was thinking that he'll go super strong. You know, everybody's complaining about, hey, Donald, slow down. And, you know, he's going, Mr. He's going crazy here. I think once he gets everybody into place and, and, and sets down, he'll just be able to sit back a little bit and be the CEO and, and do that, you know, Delegate. I will say he does learn. Uh, He's an on-the-job learner. Um, So a lot of times you'll see this with policy after policy during the campaign. Oh, I don't know. I guess women should go to prison if they get an abortion. Oh, wait, that's not what I'm supposed to say? Oh, oh, no, I think the doctor should be punished. And, and And he learns it as he goes. And the time to take Trump out was early. Yeah. And I and we, think, you know, we, a lot of people criticized Ted Cruz and stuff for staying out of the melee early in the campaign because of that. I, I, I kind of think it is a little bit unfair criticism. but I think so, too, because some people tried. And they, they, yeah, it didn't he, work. They, it didn't work. But, I mean, that's the time to take him out. When he's, when he's at his least experience, he's going he's to get better at this job as it goes. And the question from, is, is he pushing for things that are good or not? I mean, we heard from uh, other journalists uh, that, you know, that's what Trump is good at. You give, give him a choice. Yeah, and he's good at picking. He knows. He knows in the gut which one is right. Right, and, and which one is right. I know the conversation you're talking about, and, and, and this specific person told us that's the issue that's with what interviews. Got him into trouble, yeah, yeah, because if you if you do, if you give him a choice A and B, he's smart enough to look at the two options, do a quick calculus, and pick yeah. one. And if you give him no go. choice, he looks at it and says, "I don't know," and just creates something out of thin air. And a lot of times, it's wrong. <laughs> yeah. Uh, ah, kill them all. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, I, and it's funny. Oh, we shouldn't do that. But I think that that's going to be less and less of a of a problem yeah, well, now that he's president. Because he gets you know? briefed. All now the he's time. living this life, right? Yeah. It, before, yeah. and to be fair to him, before he was living the life of a business person who just jumped in this stuff for attention. Now he's living the life of a president. Um, so he is thinking about these things every day now, and this is one of the reasons why you give him a clean slate. Let him be yeah. judged on what he does in office because that's his job now. Um, but the the exact wrong. A philosophy, I think, is being executed by the left, which is treat him as if you think he's Adolf Hitler um, right. and complain about every little thing he does, even when it's not that bad, 
because you think you're the opposition party and that's what you're supposed to do, you could get stuff out of this guy. If you gave him a break uh, on the immigration thing, oh, you might get an extra $100 billion on the next proposal. He'll deal with you for sure. He'll, exactly. he'll walk out of the White House with his arm around you Yeah, I mean, at like, one point. Chuck Schumer, Absolutely. he said he would work with Chuck Schumer. I know Chuck Schumer, known him forever. When you go out and you do fake tears, you lose that loyalty. You and sure now do. when Schumer wants something, he's not going to get no, it. Oh, crying Chuck is at the door. Never mind. And you'll look, you might say to us, I think fairly, well, you guys should have done the same thing. You guys should have gone and said, and, and while being okay, it's okay to be critical, but don't go all out against Donald Trump because in the end, you could have been one of the people inside influencing him. I understand that. It's a fair criticism. I just don't want to live like, like that. I don't want to live that life. I don't want well, to live the life where I'm behind fair. the scenes trying to influence him in some way. Remember, Donald Trump is a guy who was kissing up to Glenn for multiple years before he ran. Yeah, he I tried think, to get Glenn on his side. Um, and, I think if we look back uh, honestly... That actually kind of happened. I mean, I know that we were all in for a couple different candidates, one in particular. Yeah, Cruz. Um, but in the end, it was, uh, you know, it, Trump was, was the presidential candidate for the Republican Party, and it was against Hillary Clinton, and nobody wanted Hillary. So, uh, you know. Oh, yeah. Once, I'm, I'm just talking about the primary. I mean, no, I know. Uh, the I, general but, election, but, but, but I, I had no, is, is that, no passion for Trump. My point I, is, is that, okay, so. Fine with him winning. Right, but he never came back. He didn't, you know, that was already, that was long gone. Yeah, but I mean, long I, gone. I understand that. Like, first of all, that's not how he operates. Second of all, I mean, you know, look, we did oppose him strongly yeah, we uh, did. during the primary. <laughs> yeah, we I mean, I, and, I, and we were, and the other thing is we didn't just fall in line in the general. We continued to criticize him. I mean, I, as I said, I voted for Evan McMullen. I don't have any problem admitting that. I, you know, people are like, oh, that Evan McMullen pick looks stupid. Well, uh, no, it doesn't. I, not to you. Evan McMullen supported Gorsuch, too. I, you know, I mean, I, it's not like Donald Trump's the only person who found this diamond in the rough. He just did what I hoped every other candidate would have done and right. probably would have done. I mean, Gorsuch is actually a pretty normal pick from a uh, Republican. I don't think he is. Oh, yeah, there's no hidden... There's no hidden yeah, people out there. I mean, people are acting like Trump would have been the only person who have ever found Gorsuch. He it was a list given to him by <laughs> right. experts on this topic who would have been the same people advising any other Republican yeah. candidate. Um, but I mean, that's okay. I don't care. What about I, that not... one guy in Salt Lake City, Stu, that nobody knows about? Yeah, right. Him. All right. It was that was not what happened here. I mean. The only time anyone ever criticizes that it says that ever happened was with Clarence Thomas, which actually worked out very well. Yeah, uh, but I mean, you know, people he wasn't as well known at that time. Um, but whatever. I mean, the point here is that the media uh, world was a lot different then too. Yeah, man. Oof. God, you know, thank you know he really is one of the most important people in America. Yes, he is. Uh, can we go back to to the wrong philosophy here? This is from our B one, by the way, Nancy Pelosi. Um, she just trots out every crappy argument that has ever been made against Republicans <laughs> to try to say how bad Gorsuch is. Does. This is what she does. Watch it. Elections have ramifications, and here is a living, breathing example of it. The president, in his first appointment to the court, and hopefully his only appointment to the court, has appointed someone who has come down on the side of corporate America versus class action suits, uh, on securities fraud. He's come down against employers employees' rights, 
uh, clean air, clean water, food safety, safety and medicine and the rest. If you care about that for your children, he's not your guy. Uh, as, uh, Gabby Gifford's group, the, uh, the group for responsible solutions relating to gun safety, said that he comes down on the side of felons over gun safety. Hostile to women's reproductive rights, a Hobby Lobby case, for example. The list goes on and on. Uh, criticized progressives for bringing cases that relate to LGBT progress, uh, taking those cases to the courts. What saddens me the most as a mom and a grandmother, though, is his uh, uh, hostility toward children uh, in school, children with autism. He has ruled uh, that they don't have the same rights under the IDEA, the children, uh, that, 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 that they could reach their intellectual and social adjust, uh, advancement under the law. He has said that doesn't apply to them. I, I got to look into that last one because that's one they're trotting yeah, out a lot, sure. and I don't know the details of it yet, so apologies, and I'll get to it uh, maybe. For and her comments show. right after that were great. We played it on radio today where she talked about if you care about... Uh, if you care about eating, living, Oh, yeah, she breathing. said it, that was the beginning of that clip. I mean... Would she say it twice? She yes, I mean, she closed out with it, yeah, but, but she the, nailed it right down the line. But yeah. if you care about air, breathing air, yes. if you care about having medicine, he's, yeah, not, he's your not your guy. Your I mean, I, <laughs> look, that's just obviously ridiculous. Now, I was a little concerned when uh, Gorsuch said uh, he wanted all medicine destroyed um, in his speech. You just let that go, though. I just, you know, I want, all, I want there to be no medicine. In fact, he announced a global war on Advil, uh, which I found to be uh, distasteful. Um, but other than that, he seems like a good candidate. See, I figured, I, I thought it was just Advil, though. I, he, didn't, he wasn't saying all of ibuprofen, was he? I, you know, he didn't specifically say that. But again, you don't know everything about a justice before he gets in there. If he, I, would, I would not be surprised to see him say all ibuprofen products. Uh, and, and maybe acetaminophen. We don't know. We just Oof. don't know about acetaminophen at this point. Um, but I, I just, I mean, that's such, it's not even a good effort, right? I mean, you know, the, obviously Hobby Lobby is blatantly <laughs> clear constitutionally. I mean, that's not even a borderline issue. I mean, it's a controversial one, but it's not a borderline issue. Um, you know, uh, gun rights, uh, you know, the Second Amendment's there. It's been ruled on multiple times. He does support the Heller case. He supports, uh, you know, gun rights. What He's about the handicapped children, Stu? I got to look into that one. I don't know it. My guess is They're it's some They're not issue. as important. Yeah, right. I mean, obviously... Obviously, without even knowing any of the details, <laughs> Neil Gorsuch does not say, I hate kids with autism. That's just not a, th- it's not a position people Other have. Other children are more um, important than them. Right. So that's obviously not the case. Uh, we know Nancy Pelosi is lying there. I just don't know what the lie is yet. So we'll, we, we'll figure that one out and hunt it down for you tomorrow. I want to give you this uh, last one before we go to break. This is Nancy Pelosi. She uh, was trying to have a big rally and uh, apparently had some uh, sound issues. Oh, nice. I mean... The sound working? Does this work better? No. Can't hear? Can you hear? No. It's not on? Is somebody going to deal with this? Didn't that, that part, I mean, the, look, most of it is just microphone problems. It's not that big of a deal. Her off-camera stuff is interesting. Though. Let's get the real people out there. Tell them you're Muslim. Tell them you're Muslim. Tell them you're Muslim because, you know, she is. She's yes, a, all about it. I mean, again, these people are so fake. Oh, and again, man. if you've ever watched Arrested Development. I, you're all, anyone who's watched that show has already filled in the rest of the sentence. She's just, what is it, Lucille Bluth, right? Yeah. Yeah, she's just Lucille Bluth. I mean, and it's, it's this completely fake 
uh, person who's an elitist, and she, it, I, if, now I know that show is uh, filled with unbelievable liberals, so certainly they didn't base it on Nancy Pelosi, but honestly, <laughs> if the actress who plays the role of Lucille Bluth died, know. they could just slide Nancy in, and yeah. nobody would notice, and she could just act like she normally does, and it would be the same thing. A lot of times, I keep looking every time Nancy's on TV to see if they actually show the guy behind her that pulls her skin tight. There's got to be a guy no. with this oh, standing no, behind her with their skin oh, tight like that. Jaffe, that's ridiculous. So that that is not. By the time she gets home, no, that's just stupid, just, Jeffy. That's all automated now. Oh, I apologize then. Triple eight seven twenty seven. Back is the uh, phone number. Uh, we'll be back with more uh, here in a second. We've got some good stuff from Glenn coming up. We've got. Uh, do we have spoons today? We do. Uh, I oh hope yeah. So. Oh, it's Girl the Scout cereal. Yes. Two competing flavors of Girl Scout cereal. It's important. It's science. <laughs> it you is need science. it. That's me. It's a shame, Pat, that uh, you may have realized I didn't bother showing up to show today because he's not dedicated. Uh, by the way, I'll, I'll, Thank I'll, you. I'll be out Monday. Um, so uh, <laughs> he didn't bother showing up for the show today, and this is the day he should be here because Glenn's uh, clip from, from, uh, t- from today is the story about um, Frank Capra, which would lead uh, him into his impression of Jimmy Stewart, <laughs> which is, uh, as he would, I think, indicate, approximately 25% of the re- uh, reason he's employed uh, because we love it so much. Um, it's uh, Mr. Smith goes to Washington. Of course, you know, Frank Capra, it's uh, a wonderful now. life. Uh, you work what are you for, screwing uh, now? Are you working for Potter now? Yeah, that whole thing. Um, the story, though, behind, the, behind Frank Capra and these movies is really fascinating. Glenn went over it uh, a little bit last night. Watch. We... As Americans, see much of who we are and and what America is because of one man. He was loved at the time. And now there's two ways of looking at him. Now people try to destroy him and discredit him. But at the time, he was loved, and that's not the story you hear about him now. One of his major works was almost lost. It was only because it fell through the cracks that we know it, and man, most of us know it almost word for word. The only doubt, it seems, at the time was coming from him because he was an immigrant, poor Italian immigrant that had nothing. And in the Great Depression, he felt almost given a free ride. He became wildly successful, somebody that everyone knew and he felt guilty. Whether it was physical or mental, we're not really sure at this point, but we know that he had bouts of great depression. But at this point, he's in bed 
his wife thinks he's going to die. He thinks he's going to die. He's at a crossroads in his life. Max is his only friend that he's allowing into his bedroom. And one day, Max knocks on the door and says, Sir, there is somebody here for you to see. And he said, No, not another doctor. No, it's not a doctor. Please. He's waiting for you in the other room. Please, for me, just see him. We don't know the man's name. But Frank got out of bed, put on his robe, and wearily made his way into the other room, where the man, short, bald, big, heavy glasses, stood waiting for him. Frank said, please, sit down. The man said, no, sir. I have very little to say to you. Just this. You, sir, are a coward. You're coming into my house to tell me, what? I'm a what? You are a coward, sir, but even infinitely sadder than that. You are an offense to God. The room was completely silent, except for the radio in the other room. The radio, you could hear the voice of a madman in Europe. You hear the voice of that man? That evil man is trying to poison the world with hate. And how many people can he talk to? 15 million, 20 million, and for how long can he do it? 20 minutes? You, sir, you can talk to hundreds of millions for, for two hours plus, and they're in the dark, and they're only listening to you. The talent that you have, it's not your own. It's not self-acquired. God gave you those talents. Those gifts are not yours, they're his, for his purposes. And when you don't use those gifts, it's an offense to God and to humanity. Good day. Frank stood there in his bathrobe as he heard the front door click closed. And he felt the responsibility that he was given. In the next few months, he would go on to win his first best director, Oscar. He'd win a total of three in his lifetime. He's one of only three directors to do it. And in the next few years, because of that story, he changed the way we look at ourselves, this Italian immigrant. Frank later said he never saw the man again. We don't know who he was. Quite honestly, we don't even know if that story is true. Many people say it's not, but that's their story. Frank Capra, he says it did happen. 
And this is his story. It is May 1903, and where would Frank Capra's story start? Statue of Liberty, of course. He is six years old when he arrives at Ellis Island. He is moving with his uh, mom and his family and his dad to um, California. They take the train to California where they where they join Frank's older brother, Ben, who lives in Los Angeles. And this is, it is so funny to see how this young kid started in Los Angeles and how he learned, you know, you got to be tough and you have to be educated. You have to, you have to use your brain. And of course, in California, you also have to employ a little acting skill. Um, he is selling newspapers and he would get up early in the morning and he would sell the early morning edition and then in the afternoon he would race back get more papers and he would sell the afternoon edition but and I learned this from newsies it was not like a newspaper guy when I was a kid you ride your bike and you throw it you actually had to sell it and what Frank discovered was if we put a little show on, we can sell even more. So Frank gets with his older brother, um, Tony, who is a big, tough guy. And he and Frank work out this routine. Now imagine this. I mean, imagine the, the balls it takes to pull this off day after day. I, I wouldn't, I couldn't do it. At least, especially not in the same place in case somebody happened to be walking by going, wait a minute, didn't I just see you guys do this last week, yesterday, this morning? Frank would be this little doe-eyed boy. Paper, sir, would you like a paper? And his big burly brother, not, not knowing that he's his brother, comes up and says, you, how many papers have you sold? That's not enough! And starts to bully and beat on the little sweet kid until the crowd would say, hey, 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 knock it off. And Tony would leave and Frank would say, he's always after me papers. He wants me to sell more papers. Well, of course, everybody in the crowd would be like, oh, I'll still take your paper from me. Here's a dime. What a scam! What a scam! So, welcome to America, Capra family. He figured out how to work the system. But this is really the only place in his life where I, I see this. I do see good storytelling for the rest of his life, but I, I see him figure out what America is and that it's more than just a place to make money. It's an idea and a privilege. 
in a world now where we are told that people come here just to take, I don't think that's true, by the way. I think people still are coming here for the opportunity. We're just not highlighting it. We're just not ever noticing it. Frank and his family did come for the opportunity, but he's, he's going to a high school where a lot of Italians and a lot of blacks are there. So they're the minorities and everybody's calling each other names. And he is known as, you know, a WAP, king of the WAP people. And he does not want to be a WAP living in the Italian ghetto. He decides he's going to break out and he's going to be a, he's going to make something of himself. He's going to be a chemical engineer. And he goes to Caltech to get his major in chemical engineering. This is the first time that he doesn't feel like an immigrant. He feels like an American because now he's being accepted into this school and he's buckling down and he's serious. It's not a bunch of kid games. And it is at Caltech that he really begins to develop a love affair with America. 1917, World War I, he joins the army, but it's over by the time he's getting ready to be shipped out for Europe. And the economy is starting to slip and there is a nationwide job shortage. There's a bigger depression at this time after World War I than there is in 1929. Most people don't know it because it only took us 18 months to get out of it because the government did nothing. They just left it alone. And so we went into a massive, massive depression and joblessness. And a lot of the people that were unemployed were the veterans. Well, it took Frank Capra five years of knocking around doing traveling salesmen. He was a, I like this one, a professional poker player, um, but nothing, nothing stuck. He couldn't make anything. And his family started to getting a little upset with him and like, dude, you have, you have a degree from Caltech. You're a chemical engineer. Use that. So he decided that he would. And he went up to uh, San Francisco where he worked in film development labs, which was a new thing. It's, it's you know, 1920. And he's working in these films and somebody comes in and and they're talking about the films. And Frank, the little kid, who's, please buy my paper. He decides to pass himself off. Of, yeah, you know, for a while in my younger years, I was an experienced director. In your younger years, film is like three years old. And so he starts to pass himself off as, as this um, director and he gets a film. And it's Fulta Fisher's boarding house. It's 1921. And he actually, and this is, this is the, I like Frank Capra. He is pulling this scam and, and everybody who knows is like, take the money and go. He can't do it. He's like, no, I mean, they gave me money. I, I should try to make a movie. He doesn't know, he has no idea what he's doing. 
but he feels guilty enough to where he's like, I can't rip people off. And so he makes a movie. And it's a pretty positive experience for him. And so after his one, after his one movie making deal from the experienced director, he decides, what's that? I hear Hollywood calling my name. And he moves to Hollywood to tell them about his experience directing. Deranged pervert Anthony Weiner could face child porn charges. Yay! Uh, yeah, that's actually the Heat Street he headline. He just won't let this man alone, Stu. Uh, he was t- he was engaging in child porn with a 15-year-old. Uh, <sighs> he won't let him alone, Stu. F- I'm just let the man go. FBI investigated Weiner. By the way, uh, Weiner also, I mean, you want to talk about a guy with no allies. First of all, his oh family hates gosh. him. Uh, which is a big problem. Second of all, uh, conservatives hate him because he's one of the biggest douches on the planet. In fact, in the douche hall of fame, a 99 percenter, right? Oh, yes. Yeah. Oh, yes. Um, and third of all, Democrats hate him because he basically cost them the election. Yeah. Um, and you say, no, he didn't. That was, no, because Wiener's investigation was what was led to the Comey letter when Hillary Clinton was leading by eight points. Now, the polls came down and Hillary Clinton still maintained a three-point lead, which, by the way, she won by two points. 8 million votes or whatever it was. I mean, yeah. she, I think her final percentage lead was almost three points. It was pretty close. Plus, uh, but, you know, obviously lost the stance. Is, I mean, I wa- we've all, we all watched the documentary, right? Oh, the, yeah. the Wiener documentary, Wiener. Not your Wiener documentaries on your websites, but this is, a, this is one about Anthony Wiener. Well, whatever, whatever Wiener documentary you're talking about, Stu, I've watched them all. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm just saying, <laughs> uh, he is a douche. He, oh, deserves he deserves to be in the Douche Hall of Fame, no question, every day from now to eternity. Yeah, you know, he's one of those guys. Like, I used to say the perfect person for the Douche Hall of Fame. Hey, absolutely. The ultimate is. example. He is the sp- uh, no. I used to say Alan Grayson no for way. that. I think Anthony no and Wiener is actually the best one. Yes. Uh, because he just Grayson's really. Up there, though. Grayson is still there. He's just not as relevant anymore. I mean, he, you want to talk about a guy who today we could not vote Anthony or, or uh, <laughs> what's his face? I can't even think of his name. Alan Grayson. Alan. I, I kept thinking Anthony Grayson. Uh, Alan Grayson wouldn't even make it into the douche hall of fame because of the relevancy clause. Uh, Wiener still would. I mean, oh my it, gosh. I, you, look, people are like, oh, look not. at them complain about the Comey letter. That is a legitimate complaint. That actually now, is. I, I mean, fair. I don't mean it was legitimate that Comey did something wrong, but it was legitimate that it actually probably did cost them the election. That being said, it wouldn't have worked if Hillary Clinton wasn't really corrupt, and so that's her fault. But the way that happened and the way it was, you know, exploded into the media 10 days before the election was, I mean, that's, yep. they're not off base by saying, holy crap, that was a big deal. No, it they was. Are not. And it showed, it moved the polls. By probably six points. Because once again, um, we saw the connection between Wiener and Hillary and, yeah. and the emails. It, I mean, it was uh, a bit, yeah, again, it brought all those issues up. And it's funny, the Hillary Clinton campaign had an interesting take on that afterwards, which was not only were they pissed about the Comey letter coming out, they were actually upset at them being cleared a couple days before the election. Because what happened was the Comey thing came oh, out right. a week. They went through a week of checking all the emails, and then they came out and they said, you know what, we didn't That's find anything. Fine. And all conservatives went nuts and said, wait a minute, you can't check all those emails in that time. And wait, you can't possibly be clear. She's getting a favor. They were pissed about that because it brought the issue up again. Man. 
Yeah. Um, and again, you know, she still wound up winning the popular vote. None of that matters. But I mean, I can understand how they'd be pissed off. But I know that reverse the circumstances, you'd be pissed off Absolutely. about it. Let's be honest about it. You'd be pissed off about it. If and Ted also, Cruz was uh, was up by eight points, and then they came up with some crazy letter from the FBI ten days before the election, and he and then he still won by three points, but lost the electoral college because of that five point swing. I would have been pissed. Yes. Uh, and so. Whether it's rational or not, the anger is understandable. There. He is uh, an unbelievable douche, though. He I mean, is. I, I, there's no doubt. I want. I, sometimes, at one point, I, I used to think that I kind of liked him. You know, I just say he was. I kind of liked well, him. He was in the Congress. You know, he was the fighter, and he was the guy that. You know, even though I didn't agree with what he was doing. Well, you, you know, know what? what? And this is a good point, Jeffy. Uh, you're right. And I think that's. I mean. Donald Trump is in the douche hall of fame. I know, and he uh, has a lot a, of the same, a yes, lot of the does. same qualities. That's so amazing. Of, that of Anthony Weiner. I mean, it was the same argument. And Alan Grayson. It, now those guys are on the other side. Yeah, they are. Um, so it was an, it was really annoying to hear. But if they're on your side, you cheer it on. And and Trump went, especially when he was put into the douche hall of fame, was still uh, talking very the liberally side, all the yeah. time. And it was in the middle of the uh, of the primary. Um, you know, now obviously people. Uh, he's on our side, so you kind of like it more. But it's like having a player, an outspoken player on your team. Like, I can't stand uh, Richard uh, Sherman on the uh, of C- on Seahawks. Seattle. However, if C- if he was on the Eagles, I would still I, I still hate him because he's just so annoying. <laughs> but I mean, it's a bad example. Um, but y- you could see how people used up. to like. Uh, I'm trying to think of who you, uh, was on the like when Terrell Owens was on the Eagles. A lot of people hated him, and you know it's hard not to like him when he's on the Eagles and he's getting 20 catches. Uh, so right. you know when he's on your team, you kind of like those those features a little bit more. Um, while we're in football, let's do this uh, quickly. This Bud Ri- Budweiser ad. A lot of people are saying this is Trump related. It's about immigrants. Do you think? <laughs> Stop it. I saw this last night. I watched it last night. Give it a watch. Tell me what you think. All right. You don't look like you're from around here. I want to brew a beer. Welcome to America. You don't want to hear. Move back home. Can't brew beer in Germany? St. Louis, son. Beer for my friend, please. Thank you. The next time, this is the beer we drink. Busch. And that's how they met. That's how they met. That has nothing to do with Come that. On. Come on. They're talking about, first of all, he, uh, he comes into the country legally. Uh, Okay. Uh, amazingly, he comes into Great the country point. legally uh, through Ellis Island, stamped. Hello? Yeah, I want to brew beer. Oh, okay. <laughs> We're like, yes, we need beer here. Okay. The times he, are rough. We don't have electricity tra- yet. You're in. <laughs> right. He travels across. People are struggling all over America, and then he finds a place where some guy says, hey, welcome to St. Louis. Somebody likes me. I guess I'll stay here. That's what America's about. I like yeah. this place. I'll stay here. And uh, I don't Come know if on. you've seen any alt-right posts. They're not opposed to German immigrants. <laughs> they're, they're actually... <laughs> <laughs> they actually want a lot more Germans here. 
Huh. Uh, Wait. So, no, actually, this has nothing to do Come with on. Donald Trump at all. All right, it's let's just... take a break. We got because we have spoons, Jeffy. I, I don't want to oh, interrupt you, but uh, spoons is on the. On, we have two types of Girl Scout cookie Why cereal. Are you still talking? We have spoons. Why are you still talking? Break. Go to commercial. Go. Go. All right, we're super short on time here, so we can't have Jeffy's rant about why this is skim milk and not or 2% instead 2%, of whole. 2%, Stu, 2%. Uh, uh, Brad has joined us uh, to Vanna White, the products we're trying today. Uh, this is uh, caramel crunch and thin mint cereal from the Girl Scouts. Stu's having caramel, I'm having caramel. Now, uh, yes, that's right. Um, now, uh, caramel crunch is supposed to, uh, you want to, uh, 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 it's supposed to simulate um, uh, the Samoa's cookie, which are now called something else because Samoa's oh, is offensive yeah, yeah, or something. Oh, yes, um, it is. And that then, is offensive. It is offensive. To somebody. And then Thin Mints. Well, they're Thin Mints. Now, so we start with caramel? You want to try that? Sure. All right, so the Caramel Crunch uh, is, you know. Are you trying, Brad? I am. Yeah, Jeff Brad's going to try too. See. Straight out of the box. It's not bad. It's not bad, but it's not very reminiscent of Samoa's. Mm. It's just a caramel Stop cereal. Stop saying that word. Thank you. It's just a caramel cereal, which is good. He said it again. Yeah. But it's not, it's not, it's not a Samoa. It's no. just, you don't no, get the chocolate not. in there. It's just a, it's just kind of a, a caramel leaning cereal. Right. Right. It looks, like little, it looks yes. like little mini oh. donuts mm -hmm. on the box. Now the Thin Mint cereal, I can smell just from pouring it. It smells like Thin Mint. It does smell really good like Thin Mint. No question. But it tastes, mm. that's not bad. It's okay. It's not bad. That would make a good snack even out of the box. It would. Chocolate. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'd say both of these for me, maybe a 12, yeah. something like that. No, 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 no. That'd probably be scale. better with, uh, you know, real milk. <laughs> if you make another freaking milk <laughs> reference on this show, you know. <laughs>